Sajiwa, welcome to the latest edition of Indie Scene. Um, we're going to be talking about a film called No Bears Tonight, which, you know, I'm it's it's no secret that I'm completely fed up with the <laughs> the Academy. Uh, the Oscars are coming out, uh, I think, next month or the end of this month. I don't know when they're coming out. But um, given the snubs, and they're not even necessarily snubs that were on everybody's radar, but, I mean, this picture tonight, for various reasons, wasn't even really in the conversation. Um, I, I just, I can't be bothered. And I also don't know that I'm going to be doing a, a top or a best of list after this year because I spend so much time catching up on things after awards season is over that it just almost seems unfair because I can't watch everything. I can't be everywhere all at once, which is not an allusion to the to the film. Um, so let's talk about no bears but first i want to talk about what's up with you how you doing you've got some exciting news coming up in the world of sajiwa um and uh and psycho it's not psycho psychic disco detective renee <laughs> psycho cosmic. Uh, cosmic. Co cosmic yeah i'm sorry it's it's been a long day um and uh, as i mentioned before we started a long week of watching movies so i'm a little bit scrambled here i'm going to rely on you a lot tonight sure. for this conversation but yeah how you doing what's going on give me the skinny Things are good, working along, still working on the final version of the script for uh, the dialogue for Cosmic Disco Detective Renee. Couple of days away from finishing for real this time because I want to start filming in uh, mid-February. <coughs> My cough has mostly mostly gone away, uh, so you, you won't have to cut too many things out, too many coughs out this time. And uh, and if, I, well, here's the thing: if if you start filming and you still have the cough, do you need to go work that into the story somehow? Um, <laughs> I may mention it, or I might cut around it. But okay. uh, I have a doctor's appointment on the ninth. I can go a little sooner if I want. I'm sure they'll give me something to get rid of the cough. So we'll see. Um, health update aside, everything here is good. Working away on uh, getting the movie done. I set a premiere date, uh, May 19th, in LA. I'll have more details uh, in March, theater and all that, but it's in LA area. And uh, while, <coughs> while setting that up, I uh, figured out that I could show other movies in LA. So we'll show um, at least Amir's uh, Three Worlds. I don't know if you've seen that, Amir Madlas. And uh, then we might show another movie from an L.A. filmmaker, all part of a series called uh, Indie Discovery L.A. The uh, goal is to use uh, film screenings, uh, one-week runs in L.A. to make these films and filmmakers, myself included, world famous. That's my world famous hand signature. <laughs> it kind of forms a W the way that you put that mm -hmm. up that's good um so is the idea that the filmmakers are going to be they're going to have like little kind of premieres at these theaters maybe some q a's you're going to have people come out for that too uh yeah movies that haven't been shown in la theatrically but uh the idea is to use those screenings to do a lot of press for many months sell out the events or get close to it but uh, generate a lot of publicity that could be used later with the vod release for the filmmakers Excellent. And right. if that all goes well, we'll talk about how it got done and other filmmakers can imitate it elsewhere with other types of movies. And I may keep showing more movies 
uh, one a month or maybe as many as four or eight a month down the road if it's possible, if the theater has space and if we have a supply of movies. Or I might just go into showing my own movies, the new ones that I make, because I plan on making six this year. So um, that's a bunch of movies to promote for a couple of months and then release. So what uh, what inspired this this idea of kind of, of first of all, why L.A.? I mean, aside from it's, you know, the entertainment capital of you know, America, at least. Um, and just the idea for, for these these kind of like week long runs and inviting other people to to share their work and get publicity. Where did that stem from? It's uh, I was looking for a way to get uh, more business uh, to art house theaters. So, you know showing uh producing these projects with them brings them brings uh, brings uh to them a certain amount of money and uh, that'll <coughs> that'll help uh especially if we do a large number you know uh, dozens or hundreds or if uh, since when i start doing it if other people start doing the same thing elsewhere that'll help their local art houses um that's one reason la is an interesting town i haven't uh, spent any time there except I, you know, I have a lot of friends there and I talk to them all the time. Um, so I'd like to <coughs> go visit, and uh, it would be a good, a good town to uh, premiere an art, an art house movie in, because it's one of the major um, cities of the U.S. and one of the major cities of the world, and it's the film capital of the world. So there might be people out there who are into art house stuff, even though they work in in Hollywood or in related businesses definitely yeah i've only been to la once and that was about 23 years ago i think um very interesting town i'm, I'm sure it's changed in the last nearly quarter century but uh yeah uh, have fun um yeah. and also <laughs> i saw a documentary called uh, only in uh only in theaters about uh yes art house theaters in la and uh that that got me interested in, oh, there's an entire, you know, art house uh, indie scene in LA. So I was able to connect with some people related to that movie. And um, I'm doing an interview with Dan Mervish tomorrow about uh, the indie scene in LA. Also, nice. I have Amir Madla and Noam Kroll, who's an indie filmmaker in LA. He has like 60,000, he has a mailing list of uh, like 60,000. So he, he's built a nice community. Um, plus I know a bunch of other indie filmmakers in LA. So it would be a fun place to show in just to start. And if the screenings go well and uh, bring in a lot of publicity, then we can use that to show in Chicago, Seattle, in New York, DC, everywhere else also. I didn't realize that Only in Theaters was specifically about like the, the LA indie art house scene. Um, I know you- uh, one, uh, one theater chain specifically. Okay. I. I, have we talked about talking about that on because i think when you mentioned it to me i thought that would be a really cool idea for a show or maybe you had said it would be but yeah we got to figure out a way to talk about that maybe yeah, in conjunction that, with what your what your plans are yeah that would that would be cool i don't know if you've seen the movie has it come out to chicago i don't know that's the thing is i i you sent me so many things that that are right. cool that i don't have the chance to follow them all up but um, I'll look into it and see if it's here or if it's on demand or something that, that we could both, uh, you know, talk about it. Cause yeah, I'd, I'd love to, it sounds like a, like it'd be right up my alley. Yeah. If you're, if you want to do a show about it, if you and I can do it, I can put you in touch with the director and the main subject, Greg, uh, Lamley, 
uh, who uh, who runs uh, or his family owns the Lamley Theaters, and uh, yeah, they could talk to you, and uh, you know they do press for their movies, so that that could be an interesting uh, discussion. I I'm not no no either or man I'm thinking I, we all should get together have it like a four quadrant sure. thing and then just talk about it yeah we'll we'll work out the details later but I think that'd be that'd be insanely cool okay. um cool all right well anything else before we jump on to no bears um cosmic disco detective Renee uh, heavy production work ahead editing and then marketing promo for a couple of months so we may not do uh, another you know, our regularly scheduled monthly shows until I'm caught up with all that work. But as soon as the movie's ready, I'll send you a link and then we can schedule a time to discuss it. Also, I'll do a, if you want me to do a Only in Theaters documentary show, I'll come on and do that. Awesome. Yeah, I know we, we do this uh, when you're in production, we'll kind of go into blackout mode for a while. Right. And then I think that's kind of how we dictate the seasons of this of this show. And, and indeed, when we made this switch over from um you know the slowdown to to indie scene and who knows what's what's beyond that but yeah it's it's a good way to kind of give us both a bit of a a break well mm -hmm. you don't take a break you're you're diving headlong into into your art but um yeah it's kind of a cool refresher i like it so yeah we'll we'll work all that out um and yeah tonight we got a show to do so That's let's right. talk about let's talk about no bears um mm -hmm. jafar banahi panahi is a name that, as we were also discussing before the show, he's done a number of films. He's an acclaimed uh, Iranian filmmaker. Uh, but I this is the first of his films, I think, that I've seen. I've heard of his other movies, but I don't know that I've watched them. And if I had, it's been a long time. Um, but No Bears is... It's almost a movie that has to be, I think, to be fully appreciated, has to have been experienced this week or at least in the past you know month mm -hmm. because it was very odd we had decided to talk about this movie we had scheduled this conversation for tonight and in the past uh five days let's say the story of the filmmaker has taken several dramatic turns that could only be fully believed you know wouldn't if this were in a movie you'd think oh this is contrived but it's the truth and it adds another level uh, to this already kind of inception-y uh, movie that we're going to talk about. Um, so I've teed up the, you know, how cool this is all going to be to talk about. But what are we talking about? So Jiwa, can you set up No Bears for us? Sure. In uh, No Bears, uh, it's a story that takes place in rural Iran in a border town next to Turkey. In it, a filmmaker played by the filmmaker Jafar Panahi is making a movie but the movie is being shot in Turkey across the border. So he's directing uh, using the cell phone, using uh, internet, using his laptop. And <clears throat> while he's doing that, a, a little problem happens with the photo that he, that he has, or he has or has not taken of a couple in the, in the, uh, in the town. And the townspeople want that photo the the girl in the photo in the supposed photo is betrothed to someone else she's supposed to marry someone but she's seeing someone else apparently so those are the two main stories uh making the movie in turkey remotely and also the the problems the director encounters 
in Iran, in the in the small town. That's the story of no bears. There's a third. There's a third leg of that stool that you left out. Um, the movie itself is about a couple who is trying to, if I recall correctly, leave uh, Iran. Mm -hmm. They are uh, political dissidents. Um, it comes out, you know, later in the story that they had been, you know, they'd been previously arrested by the regime and tortured and and all oh, that. So the, the, the couple in Turkey. Is it? Are they? Uh, see, that's the thing. Is I, I, I'm a little bit fuzzy on the on the geography, and mm -hmm. the movie doesn't like hold your hand. So, I thought that they were outside of uh, Tehran. That's where the film was being shot. But they're no, the, the, shooting in Turkey. Couple, that couple's in Turkey, in a in a border town outside of Tehran. Okay. But they're um, trying to get the uh, visas, or yeah, visas to go to uh, uh, France. Yeah. Um, and there is it's it's a story that they're trying to shoot very realistically about this couple and their attempts to, you know, get visas and kind of smuggle themselves out to to safety in Paris, as you mentioned. But there's almost a, a sort of a narrative fourth wall break in that the actual actors, well, not the actual actors, but the actors who are playing these characters in Panahi's movie are actually trying to True. escape. True. So it's, story. Yeah. Yeah. So it's them telling the story of these characters who are trying to escape while the actors themselves are trying to escape. And so you have these really strange moments throughout the film where Panahi is up on a hill trying to get you know, good signals so he can direct his AD on a laptop to film this, this couple. And uh, occasionally the characters will... Uh, kind of wander off the scene or there'll be a cut and one of them will ask to speak to the director look at the the kind of the wireless and they'll break character and kind of give an update to him as to what their real life situation is mm -hmm. now what makes this all very inceptiony as i mentioned is that panahi uh up until this week had spent the better part of a year uh, he was arrested i think in july of 2022 um for uh essentially Iran was claiming that he was making anti-government propaganda and he was also uh, supporting other you know, protesters um, who the government didn't like. So he'd been locked up. Um, he you know, this movie was shot clandestinely along with a, a number of other features. I think you had told me that when we were setting this uh, up, this conversation. So you have a filmmaker who is sort of in he's in prison now for these political acts involving his art making a movie about a filmmaker who is in exile because he's in fear of getting caught for making the kinds of films that he does. Mm -hmm. And also this week, uh, he announced, um, through I believe his wife made the announcement, I got a press release about this, um, that uh, Panay had gone on a hunger strike, mm -hmm. and that lasted two days. And then I saw another press release, I think it came out on Thursday or Friday, saying he'd been released from prison. So it's like I said, the timing on this thing is unbelievable. Uh, I know this will probably be written about and talked about, you know, to death, but I feel like this is the perfect moment in time to experience no bears for the first time because the movie only really ends in real life. Right. So the fourth story is uh, the villagers in the uh, movie know that, I mean, Panahi is uh, playing a version of himself and, uh, 
the the village knows the real story about the director who is not getting along with the government and uh, who has been censored by the government. So that gets mentioned in the movie also. So there's at least four different uh, situations happening, major situations happening in the movie. But also the movie has a lot of funny moments. That's what I liked about the movie. Funny. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> let's let's talk about it. I I I think I was too uh, white knuckled and wondering what the hell was going to happen. All these people to really laugh, but uh, yeah, refresh my memory because I may have you know I when, may have skipped uh, over that. Yeah, when uh, so these may be some spoilers, but we'll try not to spoil too much. When the guy who was supposed to get married to the to the to the girl, the lady, when he confronts Panahi. He goes, are you a distant relative of this other guy? And, you know, questions and uh, questions him like that in sort of a, you know, old timey, old town way, you know, accusing him of uh, playing favorites because he might be related to the other guy. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's it's strange because Panahi was essentially and help correct me if I'm wrong, because, again, I watched this, you know, very recently, and it was kind of hard for me to follow some of what was some of the intricacies of what was going on. But uh, he was essentially um, allowed to rent a room um, from the guy named uh, Ganbar, uh, who's very, very friendly, wants to you know, just get along with everybody, very jovial guy. Um, but Panay is renting a room from him, uh, and the uh, the sheriff, uh, who's um, I think that was that was he was only referred to as the sheriff. Uh, he has to help settle this dispute um, about this photograph that's on a on a digital you know, camera card, mm -hmm. um, but it gets it gets very uh, complicated with the accusations and the villagers just you know, like kind of randomly showing up um, at Panahi's door in Ganbar's apartment, um, you know, throwing accusations, making demands, uh, you know, kind of barging in unannounced to have these very you know kind of mafioso conversations like you know we heard that there's a photograph and you know if you just you know show us the photograph we'll take care of you know it we just need the proof uh, mm -hmm. of what we suspect and what people have rumored ha has happened with um this young couple and the the interloper third party uh it is yeah it's it's very tense and very strange um tradition comes into it along with sort of you know uh, questions of what you might call like modern you know innocent until proven guilty you know court methods versus you know going into a room and swearing on the quran in front of a bunch of people uh that you didn't do what you're accused of uh it's it's a fascinating uh twist and turn of events yeah we should have had uh amir madla uh on this episode uh if he had seen uh, no bears he had he has spent time in iran and uh and obviously he's from an Iranian background, so he may <laughs> he may have had more to add uh, about cultural things that are either fictionalized or exaggerated. Uh, there's a I found a lot of humor in the movie in how the villagers deal with Panahi, how Panahi deals with the villagers. Um, <laughs> also, I found the movie to be kind of like a uh, you know rural. Pulp Fiction type movie with these multiple intense stories going on. And I found a lot of the humor to be like a sort of a Jim Jarmusch type laid back humor with uh, 
about misunderstandings and cultural differences. And that's the thing is I didn't, I, I probably need to watch it again, and I will at some point. Um, I didn't find it to be that funny, I think, mostly because I thought it was just kind of sad, only in the fact that there was so much at stake, and especially, and I won't spoil the ending, but we find out just how much was at stake and how much yeah, certain people pay for decisions. Yeah, so, and that, I kind of, I almost had a feeling that that was where things could go, certainly, so if there was sort of like dark humor about, you know, cultural customs and, and misunderstandings between people, I just read those as danger signs. Mm. I'm like, this could go south any which way. The prayer room, um, if that's, I'm not sure if that was the, the correct swear term. Room. The swear room, right. Yeah. Um, and it's not a place where you go to curse people out. It's a, a place <laughs> where you go to, to swear in the Quran. Um, you know, uh, Panahi swears up and down to the villagers that he doesn't have that photo um and so they're like okay come here there'll be a bunch of people you'll have a quran and you swear on it and then it's water under the bridge whether or not he's telling the truth it's sort of the understanding that it's going to be between him and god if he makes this this oath that he's you know innocent but instead of swearing on the the quran he asks if he can film his statement now i won't go into everything that happens after this um, because it is a rather intense and revealing scene about sort of the hypocrisy um, of the town and of the people that are accusing him uh, of these you know, various things. But it's just kind of interesting. It's like, I don't want to swear on the Quran, but I do want to give the testimony kind of my own way. I think I get the feeling that the villagers were so, sh so shocked uh, because this has been unprecedented in this kind of ritual that they kind of go along with it to some okay i'll give you somewhat comedic but mostly disastrous effect i think mm -hmm. um one of the things i found funny from the beginning is the situation is very absurd right why would you if you're banned by the government go into the small town put yourself through these difficult situations to make a movie and uh you know direct it over the border right instead of just either doing it from Tehran where you live or actually just sneaking over to the to the uh, town in Turkey where you uh, where your actors are, which many people tell him this, you know, a couple of people tell him this, the assistant who comes over from Turkey and then people even in the village say, why don't you do this from Tehran? So the to start with, the entire situation is absurd. He's doing a, a sort of a foolish thing. So that is, the, to me, that's the start sort of the starting point for the for the funny stuff well and that's the again i mean i'm not disagreeing with you i just i just kind of read it differently mm -hmm. that if he was doing the things he was doing it's not because he's an idiot or because he likes putting himself through this it's because he's got reasons that you know maybe we're not privy to mm -hmm. maybe he's tried it or it hasn't worked out or he's so afraid of being caught and what that could mean that he doesn't, you know, want to risk it. I mean, I felt like the people that he was filming, you know, with in Turkey were at enough of a risk, you know, just being associated with, you know, him and, and filming a movie without, you know, permits and all that stuff, much like the, the real no bears uh, mm -hmm. was that, you know, it's, it's a miracle to me that everyone didn't get busted and, and demanding of like, okay, where is, where is Panahi lead us to him? Mm -hmm. I guess as a filmmaker, it's funny to me because this is completely the 
extremely wrong way that will lead to many problem problems ahead of you uh, for making a movie. So I found it to be funny from the start. All right. And that's, you know, humor is subjective, as they right. say. Right. Um, and, and again, maybe with this conversation in mind, next time I watch No Bears, I'll be laughing, you know, tears streaming from my eyes. No, uh, no, it's but... light humor, like German, <laughs> but it is about a, a serious subject. And uh, there is tragedy in the movie, but it's also there's also a lightness and comedy in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I think a real sense of, um, you know, I hate the word humanity because I think it's kind of overused, but I'll use it in this case. Um, you know, Panahi and his relationship with uh, with Gunbar, I think, is very kind of touching because Gunbar seems like so eager to please and so not wanting to have you know trouble come to his doorstep that later in the film, when he gets into some real trouble, he's still trying to be really diplomatic about it with a guy that he's come to consider. I mean, he's a it's clear early on that he's a fan of Panahi mm -hmm. um, of his work. And so he doesn't want to kind of let down his idol, but then it comes to, well, is it going to be my hero or my family? Um, and it gets really kind of complicated there. Also, I think a lot of the uh, the situation that uh, Panahi wrote for this um, movie might be an allegory for, I mean, I'm pretty sure it is an allegory for the kind of things he had to deal with the government uh, when it came to saying he had something that, uh, you know, the government accusing of uh, accusing him of having a movie that is uh, negative for Iran versus him having to prove it's not negative, he has nothing like that, him, him having to swear maybe that he has nothing like that. So the, the trial in the village might be a uh, sort of a dramatic, dramatic dramatized, uh, allegory for his real troubles with the government about his filmmaking. Yeah, and to, to know that this that he filmed this and came up with this story, I mean, I, it makes me eager to find out more about him and more about the kind of the troubles that led up to his imprisonment because this seems like the kind of film that he would come up with after this whole ordeal. Mm -hmm. But he almost presaged his own fate uh with this with this no bears movie um i was reading a bit about it i think on the bbc site that one of the reasons he was able to film some of this is there was i guess a lifting of some of the covid-19 restrictions uh in the places he was filming so it went from you know really kind of locked down and and dangerous to get away with what he was trying to do to a little bit easier to get away with what he wanted to do um but it was still this is this is a i guess a pandemic movie which is odd to think about Mm -hmm. And I like the cinematography, I mean, going away from the political uh, forbidden situation, uh, just treating the film as a film, uh, the cinematography works great, and it's amazing what you can do under very difficult circumstances these days for talented filmmakers with, you know, minimal gear. Um, you know, this movie was, to me, as entertaining or interesting as like a $100 million Hollywood movie. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I've told you that I've been watching a lot of the kind of Oscars movies in preparation for a conversation I'm going to have later this week. Um, they're 
and this is the first year in a while that I can say that I've that I'm catching up on everything that's been nominated. Um, there's some good stuff in there, but none of it, <clears throat> or very little of it, I think, captures the essence and the power of art, and specifically cinema, in the way that No Bears does. And that's why when I kind of let off this conversation, I was, you know, saying I'm kind of done with the Oscars because, I mean, and we talked about this in kind of Twitter DMs, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, you know, the people behind the Oscars, they have their rules. They they have methods by which, you know, people are and, and films are nominated. And when it comes to like foreign films, countries have to put up the films that they want to be nominated and then not every country that puts up a movie to get nominated is actually in contention. That's what happened with RRR because India put up, you know, a, essentially a ripoff of Cinema Paradiso instead of RRR. And then, you know, nobody won except for the best song nomination for Not To Not To. So there was no chance that No Bears was going to be nominated for uh, Best International Picture. But it could have been you know, I guess nominated for, for best film. I just don't know that people were aware enough about it. And there certainly wasn't a big studio push because it's a clandestine film. And so, yeah, it's almost good that it wasn't nominated because I think it would be an embarrassment to have no bears in the same category as fucking Avatar 2 and Top Gun Maverick. Uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, I think the more people, if they were encouraged to see this movie uh and to understand what is going on that that filmmaking and art is a serious business and not just show business uh that it can change people's lives and and get you know can even change the world you know politically potentially you know i think it'd be a much richer experience but as it stands it's not on anybody's radar really hopefully people out here listening to this show will seek out this movie because it is still playing you know, in major cities and some like, you know, art house outlets, but it is one of the best films of 2022 uh, and one of the most important films I've seen in years. Yeah. Uh, various critics groups around the country have uh, appreciated the movie and have voted it. I've seen it, uh, voted it for, have voted for it. I've seen it on many top 10 lists. Yeah. Os the Oscars are uh, sort of like a Hollywood trade show as we <laughs> talked about in the past where yeah. they include a few foreign things, few independent things, but mostly it's a way to resell some Hollywood movies back to the public. So it's not any kind of a comprehensive global survey of cinema. If it were, no, no bears would have, uh, should have definitely been included. Yeah. And that's, it's a hard, it's a hard sell. <laughs> Especially I feel like an idiot for, for making this joke, but Last month when we were talking about what we'd be discussing in February, I said, you know, we're going to be talking about No Bears, not to be confused with Cocaine Bear. That's right. Because that movie is coming out in a couple of weeks, you know, both in, in February. Uh, I feel like the danger is, you know, which bear movie are you going to go see? You recommend one. And if the person goes the wrong one, they're pissed off. And but hopefully well, my, and... my joke about that is people buy the buy tickets to go see uh no bears thinking they're going to see cocaine bear but they end up liking the movie when they watch it then cocaine bear no, no bear ends up making like a billion dollars that completely transforms hollywood <laughs> if only i i think the i think the subtitles would be a giveaway mm -hmm. um and the fact that there are no bears in the movie 
That's right. And I like, that's another thing I, I really appreciate um, about this movie and other movies like it that have, that have been popping up lately. Ones with the really kind of weird, obscure titles that you have to watch the film in order to understand what they're talking about. No Bears has to deal with a, a superstition that I won't I won't spoil uh, for people, but it reminded me of I watched the film Triangle of Sadness. Uh, did you did you see that one? I haven't seen that one yet. Okay, it's 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 nominated for Best Picture. Uh, it's like the it's like the tenth film. You know the one that you know after they read off all the obvious nominees, mm -hmm. they got to the bottom like what the hell that movie got nominated? No one's even heard of this thing. Um, but yeah. I didn't know what the triangle of sadness was. I thought it was just, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a dark satire dramedy about, you know, the you know ultra wealthy on this yacht, this luxury yacht. So I thought it was like something about the Bermuda triangle or something, but the triangle of sadness is uh, it's something that, you know, once you learn about it, or at least in my case, I'm never going to be able to think about what it relates to without thinking about this movie. And I think that's the mark of a great title and and perhaps even a great film, but yeah, yeah. no bears is kind of the same way. Uh, yeah. Um, what uh, else did you like about the movie? Uh, I mean, I liked this is going to sound terrible, but I liked everything about it. And I, awesome. there was nothing about it that I didn't like except just my own, you know, kind of shortcomings as an audience member who watched it in two parts, both of which began at like four o'clock in the morning. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so I'm sitting there watching this on a, on a laptop with, you know, the subtitles and everything. I'm getting my coffee. So I'm trying to, to pick up bits and pieces of the story. For example, the couple that we mentioned, the, the characters in this uh, movie that Panay is filming at first, I thought they were like siblings or something. It wasn't until later that I realized that they were, you know, a couple couple, um, and the actress, I believe she, uh, Zara, yeah, was the character, um, played by, uh, Mina Cavani. She gives a very, a very brief kind of monologue into the camera, you know, kind of excoriating Panahi, but also us pointing out what she's been through, what, you know, this plot that they're enacting means. And even though it's only like three minutes, I don't even know if it's five minutes, but it's a decent chunk of time. That's one of the best performances I've seen this year. I think that's the other kind of the, the criminality of this movie not being on the awards radar is, you know, people need to see this. I like Michelle Yeoh as much as anybody, but in the three hours of everything, everywhere, all at once, she didn't come close to approaching the level of drama and authenticity as uh, Mina Cavani in three minutes of No Bears. Yeah, I haven't seen everywhere. It just looks like there's a whole lot going on. When I'm when I'm ready for it, I'll watch it. I just saw. Uh, I only just saw Nope, just a couple of days ago. I saw you tweet about that. I still haven't caught up with Nope yet. It's pretty good. Yeah, um, Jordan Peele is kind of hit and miss for me. So when I saw like more about what the movie was, I'm like, I can wait on that. Uh. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's about a. Uh, Taking photos of an alien monster. Yeah. Um, which, you know, kind of relates back to this movie, you know, photos <laughs> and various kinds yeah. of monsters. Um, yeah, the, uh, the sort of the low-key, um, you know, construction of uh, No Bears is really good. I liked it. It's, uh, you know, it, you know, it feels like a, almost like a documentary, but you know it's fiction. Yeah, there's a certain flavor to it. 
that I like. That that kind of reminds me of Jim Jarmusch movies. Well, also it's that that Panahi plays himself. I mean, they don't. He doesn't give himself you know a director's alias or anything, which adds to that blurring of how much of this is autobiographical versus how much of it is is fiction. You know, used to to kind of sell. I, I don't want to use the word propaganda, but mm-hmm. to sell a point uh, to the audience or, or get them swept up in the drama so they'll go along with what he's trying to say. You know, big picture. Um, but he's a very interesting character to watch as a director. Again, I don't know how much of this is like the actual guy himself versus because he's almost so stoic mm-hmm. um, and so unmoved. You can tell that he's being affected by his situation, uh, but he doesn't have these great dramatic outbursts. I mean, he's almost directing his own life in a sense because he's he seems kind of emotionally removed from the situation until we get him alone and we see it's kind of affecting him yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna use his acting style in uh <laughs> cosmic disco detective renee where you can't really tell what's going on sometimes he lets you know a little bit a little bit out um yeah that's a good th- <clears throat> i think that's what reminds me of uh jarmish movies sort of you know stoic low-key characters kind of like uh werewolf and werewolf ninja philosopher you know don't know yeah. what's going on with this guy. Um, he needed yeah. a tape recorder. He needed That's like right. a tape recorder to have while he was That's typing right. at his computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so Richard Brody, uh, the uh, New York uh, New Yorker uh, <coughs> film critic, uh, thought uh, Panahi should win Best Actor for his performance in, at the Oscars. Well, he has to be nominated first. So That's right. Um, now, this would be a coup. I don't know if there's a precedent for this. Maybe you know, and out there, if you're watching this and I'm overlooking something completely obvious, I apologize. It's been a long week. Has there ever been a situation where someone has won Best Actor and Best Director for the same film? Mm, <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe Rocky. Oh, okay. I I know. I think he won. I think Stallone won Best Screenplay. For yeah. Rocky, um, I don't know that he won actor, but um, yeah, he he might, he might have been nominated. I could see Woody Allen for Annie Hall, maybe. Mm, okay, yeah. The, see now that now that we're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, there's probably a half a dozen instances of that, but it just seems like uh, it's just a hell of a story. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I because Clint, Clint Eastwood, he might have come close. Sure. Yeah. Very good. But I'm just I'm imagining like. This is almost the quadruple threat here. You've got Panahi as actor, director, writer, and best film. You know, mm-hmm. my dream card is that. Uh, let's let's just imagine a world where that's possible. Mm-hmm. And I love RRR. It's my favorite film of the last like decade. I'll be willing to put it into the foreign film category instead of best picture, just right. so no bears can get all this love. Yeah, no, uh, the Oscars aside, No Bears as a foreign film will do well in the U.S. because it's getting, you know, all kinds of praise. So I think uh, this might become the best or the most uh, highly viewed uh, and money-making film of uh, Anahi's career outside of uh, Iran. I think the movie's already made close to like a million dollars. And for a movie like this, that's a lot of money. Right. I mean, for for something that, I mean, it's got a, a distributor, 
but it's not like associated with a studio or anything. But kind of again, this is in the truest sense, from what I understand, extremely an movie. underground film. Yeah, extremely. Uh, That's what I like about it. another reason I like this movie is American indie filmmakers. We work under much freer conditions, and maybe we have more access to money. Also, um, yeah, we could we could learn a lot by looking at No Bears and seeing what kind of great. Such great situations and story we can put together, even on a very minimal budget. And I think that's the, you know, we're talking about the the film making of it. This does, and again, I didn't watch this projected on a big screen. You did, mm -hmm. um, and people can, as I mentioned, can see this in the theaters. And I recommend it. I actually had an an old award season link that I watched this on my laptop, and I kind of regret it. But it doesn't look like something that was shot in secret it doesn't look like something that was shot low budget it looks very intentional very stripped down doesn't look cheap it looks so real it's got that documentary quality to it but it still feels very Dramatic. much like a narrative film yeah mm -hmm. it's it's beautiful to look at yeah and to experience it's not well yeah what was the last thing you said and, and, and to experience you know it's because of the qual because of the way that it's filmed and because the way he keeps peeling back this onion like i said i think the best example is um zara and her you know husband uh bakhtiar who are the actors who are trying to portray people trying to escape while also trying to escape um because he constantly keeps peeling back that onion it adds a level of authenticity like wait a second what if the actors who are playing the actors playing the actors are actually trying to, you know, are also embroiled in some kind of political situation of their own because it's entirely possible given, you know, the part of the world that they are and, and the conditions under which they had to film this movie. It, I wouldn't doubt it if there was something going on behind the scenes of the behind the scenes. Yeah. It's uh, it shows good craftsmanship when it comes to filmmaking that um, under difficult conditions, they were able to make a movie that looks good. It plays well uh, on cinema screens and movie theater screens. I saw it uh, in Manhattan uh, at Film Farm. It looked great. Um, yeah, there's a rich humanistic quality to it, not just to the story and the performances, but also to the filmmaking. Yeah. Um, you know, I, a movie I watched today in a couple of parts was the Netflix film All Quiet on the Western Front, the adaptation mm -hmm. of the novel which is another kind of, I think, surprise nomination. I think a lot of people are like, wait a second, that came out? <laughs> Even for Netflix, it was like, wait, didn't that just come out a week before the nominations? It felt like it. Uh, that's a hell of a movie. And it's sort of the direct opposite production-wise of No Bears. You can tell there's a lot of money went into it, a lot of locations. They've got you know some famous actors in it, but it is such a raw on the ground realistic as it feels realistic i wasn't you know alive 100 years ago fighting as a german soldier against the french but it felt like i was down in those trenches with those those kids um i think there's almost like a weird good companion piece like here's a way you can do an authentic story about real life conflict strip no pun intended bear and here's how you can do it writ large with all the money in the world yet still feel like you've got that kind of indie spirit to it Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm taking, uh, yeah, I'm going to use No Bears as, uh, as one of the examples for, you know, one of the sources of inspiration for filming. Uh, uh, 
filming Cosmic Disco Detective Renee. Did you see the new uh, teaser trailer where everyone walks backwards? I did, and that was very strange. Yeah. Was that was that a was that a, was that just for the trailer? Or is that part of the movie? It's I have part I, of the movie. It, okay, good. Movie. <laughs> all that all that stuff is in the movie. Good, because you know I hate it when I see stuff in the trailer that doesn't make the final cut. I'm like, where where's that thing that got me hooked? And now I have to know why the hell everyone's walking backwards. I I did see the comment. Um, I think uh, Aaliyah had shared it on Twitter and someone had written in to say, like, how do you got to tell me how you made it look so convincing walking backwards as easily as you walked forwards? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That was on that was on Facebook. I think that was Facebook. Okay, yeah. I think that was her mom who said that. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we film things going forward and we're playing it backwards. What? It's, a, it's a funny effect. Uh, I, I love those backwards scenes. It's very funny because the movie is about time travel. It, it figures in. Sure. All right. Well, I think this is going to be one of the shorter episodes uh, that we've done because I think we've covered all the bases of No Bears. Right. We didn't disagree on anything. I mean, this is the the complete opposite of of our January show. That's right. But um, yeah, I, strongest recommendation for me possible. Uh, I think going to see it in a theater, you know, because it's not it's not anywhere else. I don't think it's just playing the theater circuit, the indie scene. Um, go see it. Go support it because I think it also sends a message to other people who might be in similar situations trying to get their art out um you know in incredibly difficult circumstances that there is a light at the end of the tunnel um it can make it out it can be seen by people and inform people change heart change hearts and minds um and just be enriching art experience also it might uh push your government towards letting you go from jail that too i mean bonus (laughs) now now there's the cynical side of me that says jafar panahi will go to any lengths to promote his movie uh yeah no i don't think i don't think that i don't think uh that's the case i don't think he's using his movies to his political situation to promote his movies but it's amazing that he's able to keep working under such difficult conditions So, so that shows that he's really committed to his artwork yeah, and it makes me wonder, like, I hate to think like this, but, you know, is the clock ticking? Like, is he in danger of oh, you know, being yeah. reconfined again? And, and is he going to get right back to work? Does he have the strength to do that? I mean, imagine after spending eight months or whatever it is in, in an Iranian prison, that'll do stuff to you. Um, the last thing I imagine he'd want to do is get right to work, but I could also imagine that'd be the first thing he wants to do. So who knows? I'm definitely going to be watching whatever he does next with great interest. Yeah, he probably wrote wrote a bunch of scripts while while in jail. I mean, uh, in real life, no one wants to go to jail, but uh, yeah, you don't get a lot of phone calls and emails while you're in jail. So <laughs> I assume so. That's that's great writing conditions. Maybe. I mean, part of the BBC article that I read about him, which I'll link below, um, talked about, I think, the other two. um, I don't remember if they're filmmakers or just general political dissidents that he was supporting, you know, the circumstances around his arrest. 
but they released some photos of those uh, prisoners. And the just the one that they showed the article is just shocking. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if I did. When I saw Panahi from when he was released from jail, he didn't look quite as bad as this other guy. But I don't know how much <laughs> how much leisure time or even you know peace they have uh, mm -hmm. in that confinement. Yeah, no. Hopefully, Iran will change, and all the political prisoners will be will be let go. Uh, yeah, the people over there. Are, some people some people over there are struggling to make positive changes in the country. Hopefully, it'll happen. Let's see. Yeah, always end with hope. That's so, right. All right, Sajiwa. Thank you. Uh, well, do you have any? closing thoughts or was that your closing thought that's a hell of a note to go out on but uh well, anything else before we go there's more there's always promoting of the movies uh yeah cosmic disco detective renee will premiere in la may 19th and uh, I'll, I'll send you all the information hopefully you'll get to see the movie in march or april and maybe we can do a show about it then definitely and, uh, let's try to discuss uh, only in theaters with um with the director and with the main subject when it opens in Chicago. So we can stay, we can pay attention to that. And if those guys are busy, you and I can talk about it after, uh, after you, after you just, after you watch the movie, uh, yeah. what else? And there's two other movies I'm promoting in LA. I'll send you all the information in early March and, uh, maybe those, well, you know, three worlds by a mirror is going to be one of the movies. There's another movie that I'm working on. I don't have the title to release yet. Uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe those will be interesting movies for us to discuss in the future. For sure. Awesome. All right, sir. Well, thank you again. Uh, thanks so much for, for recommending uh, No Bears. It's um, it's a hell of a movie. As I mentioned, it's one of my favorites of last year. Another reason I'm not doing best of lists because I didn't, you know, there's so many things that get thrown at us towards the end of the year to watch. It's hard to pay attention. So I didn't mm -hmm. catch up with this thing until February. Um, I'm glad I did. But uh, yeah, everyone out there, to the extent that you can, check out No Bears. Even if it you have to wait till it's on demand or however that comes to you, make it a priority because it's uh, it's great. Yeah, um, even but, if you have to go to jail, check it out. Yeah, yes. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, be sure and check out all of Sajua's stuff. Uh, links to all of his you know sites and projects will be down below. Um, you can like and subscribe to this channel, and uh, please do. And till next time, whenever that is, whatever that is, thanks, take care, and catch you later. And don't take photos of young lovers in uh, rural Iran. Words to live by. That's right. All right, talk <laughs> to you soon. All right, man, take care. Take care.